0: into my circle, with the opposite of Urku When I pull a flying purple, people eaters Couldn't bite me, I steal the fate of Herschel And I just leave them on the limb and hand them up business it. it's his rappers are walking that I already killed him Skin Blanco, lyrical weapon kicking like a Bronco Head Hacho, spherical presence came from the grotto A dead rapper wrap his body in a poncho And crack his melon with a combo like Pronto Saganara.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is Remington Ramsey. We are the As Indie Grows podcast, filming obviously not in Banker's Life. Banker's Life is shut down, uh, to us at least, during the COVID season. So, one topic that we're going to talk about today, but my celebrity guest host, Brett Wiggins, my brother in law, Cut code Knife Extraordinaire. All the knives. All the knives. All the knives. Welcome to the show, buddy. Uh, our guest today is none other than Mr. Scott Pollard, and you have many titles and many accomplishments. This is the the, the, the as any grows is successful people doing successful things in Indiana, which you have done a million successful things in India, But what that's my first question for you is: What do most people in
2: Indiana know you from? Depends on how old they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, the older people are, are Pacer fans, and they're like, "Oh man, loved what you did on the court. Wish you'd have been healthier," you know, that kind of stuff. And then the younger people are like, "You're that mean guy in Survivor." So um, oh, yeah. it just depends on how old they are and where I'm meeting them at. But uh, uh, it's it's a different reaction. It's, it's a mixed reaction. That's
1: funny because I remember my dad, who uh, so we featured you. Flash forward, you're, you're in real estate now. And we mm-hmm. actually featured you in our magazine, mm-hmm. and I remember uh, telling my dad, and he's like, "Wait." Scott Pollard? I used to love watching that guy. <laughs> and he was all jacked about it. And I was like, well, oh, I can't remember the name. And I looked you up and I was like, oh, I loved watching you too. Was, yeah. You yeah, the hustle player, man. Yeah. Uh, so but then and then some people do know you from survivor mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yeah because well rupert is from here right uh, and he was one of the famous survivors uh, that never made it never won i mean uh but i think he was on the show four times and he ended up winning a million dollars just as a fan favorite right uh, without even winning anything on the game yep. but uh but you know so uh, there there is a big survivor following here in indiana because of him uh and there's been a couple other people that are from indiana as well but i think i'm the second most notable survivor in indiana <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely true well, we had, so we did have Rupert out on the show, um, and uh, so after he won Survivor, he actually ran for governor, so I'm yeah. just curious if if you're uh, going to run for governor.
2: Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, libertarians have no chance, as Rupert found out. He's a libertarian as well, sure. and uh, so uh, I think that I would uh, also fall into that category of people are uh, of the mindset that it's a two-party system when it's actually a multiple-party system, but the, the third parties always have a tr- tough time, tough road. Yeah, Okay.
1: Interesting. But you have actually given that some thought, because that was kind of like a throwaway funny question. More president
2: than, than governor, okay, but good, yeah. for the same reasons. It, it's just it takes a whole lot of money to buy your way up there, and, and uh, it, I don't have that. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: we can write you in the ballot on yeah. November 3rd. Uh <sighs> All right, so Brett, you looked at – so Brett's the research guy. Brett did a ton of research I'm ready. on uh, – I'm just a guy
0: uh, with buttons to press. He's, but he's yes.
1: ready. Uh, so you t- – talk to us about – So and you're a huge Survivor fan. I used to watch it, but you, you've you seen like every episode.
0: Starting – once I married your sister, yeah. she got me into Survivor. Okay. All – anything CBS, Big Brother, Survivor, Oh, you're just like, even Amazing Race. I'm not so much into that one, but Survivor is like – before I, I'm like, we're gonna watch Survivor. This is we're married, so this is what we're gonna do now. <laughs> we're not gonna watch any sports. And then by the end of the season, I'm I'm all in.
2: Okay.
0: And uh, and I saw Scott right away, and I go, that is definitely Scott Pollard, which I remember more from the Kings. big right. Big Jason Williams fan. And uh, and then watching the show was like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And then yeah, so more more so recently from from Survivor, and uh, this. How many years ago was this? Probably four or five years ago? We filmed
2: in 2015, and it aired in 2016. Oh, I didn't realize it was so recent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was
0: actually uh, Braun versus Beauty versus Brains, I think.
2: Version two. Yeah. The original one, Cliff Robinson was on. Oh, okay. And they actually, true story, they contacted me first in 2010, uh, but my first marriage was ending at that point, and it wouldn't have been a good idea for me to leave the country for seven weeks. So I said, no, not not a good time for me, Uh, but then they had the first... Version of Brains, Brawn, Beauty, and that was Cliff Robinson was on that one. Uh, RIP, Cliff. Yeah. Um, he was a great guy. And uh, then when ver- they Brought the same version out again, but we didn't know. You're in casting. They oh, don't so tell you, you don't what the th- theme is. Oh, okay. Well, oh, I was going to say, because he cause yeah. told
1: me what it was, and he said that you were bronze, right? So yeah, I was, I was on bronze, yeah. I was just curious. As if I should you have were, been on Beauty. Were you, were you <laughs> more <laughs> offended about Brains or Beauty? Uh,
2: well, th- that was funny, because the first thing Jeff Probst said when he got us all together, after he announced what the, the thing was, because we had to get to final, like, we're on the island, and we're about to get on the boat, and he goes, okay, well, this is the theme we're going to split you up into three groups brains, brawn, and beauty and he goes oh I think all of you probably think you're a triple threat <laughs> I was like well yeah but I'm the only one that's right <laughs>
1: oh man what would you have been?
0: Uh, I, I think there would have had to be a sub category of just misfits just the guy just, just, just the, the guy. guy yeah you know I'm more of an MC than I am a, a speaker which is you know I, I take care of everybody
1: how did they contact you to be on the show?
2: Well, for me, it was uh, first time it was through a friend. um, And uh, they they got a hold of my website. I had a website back then in 2010 and then the second time was really close friends of mine who happened to be very, very close friends with the parents of one of the executive producers, Matt Van Wagenen. So you got to know people. And, well, they knew they knew me from basketball. Like, the, the idea was they were going for that theme anyway, so they were going after a basketball player, like I said, they, when they went after me uh, back in 2010, and then they ended up getting Cliff. Uh, but uh, – th- that's the misconception about it. Is for for the newbie shows like ours was a newbie season. They're they got a theme in mind. They don't tell you what it is, but they got a theme in mind. So people apply. There was people on our show Debbie, for example, who's end up being back on the show. If you know Debbie, she was she's fun TV. She's she's good crazy. Like she's she's fun crazy. She's not like actually like I'm gonna boil some cats and leave it on your front bed, door. Like she's not absolutely crazy crazy like in a bad way she's the fun size crazy yeah like she thinks everything is true which is just fun <laughs> you know but um she applied like seven years earlier and true story she had a felony on her record and couldn't leave the country oh, wow. so they had to wait until that cleared up and i'm not that's not my story to tell little, but little that debbie, is back i would have
0: never thought yeah.
2: little debbie she, it anyway um, (laughs) (laughs) again not my story to tell but but true uh, nonetheless And uh, so people say oh how do I get on I say just go on be you do your video be your crazy self whatever it is and then if that fits a theme they want the regular low key guy then you might be the guy they pick so it really for me it was I should have known because they told me to watch his season Cliff's season when I was in casting because I hadn't watched the show Okay. They were when I was in there. You haven't
1: watched it by the I had watched
2: it. it. Did they you were, actually
0: watch his entire season? Yeah, they,
2: well, you're sequestered in a hotel for casting. You can't leave, and you can't talk to anybody. God.
1: Do you think there was a mental edge you had from being on a professional sports team? Yes. Uh, because, because I watch these guys, and I'm like, you know, I could do that. And by by like the, the second episode, I'm like, these guys are skinny. I'm they so haven't eaten.
0: Of what I would say yeah. and what would be, I I am I'm petrified from being in that and watching myself back over and having to explain things. I don't know how you'd you'd watch it back and go, they cut this out or that. Yeah, justifying uh, some of the things uh, you
2: did. It'd be hard. I I give speeches about it sometimes when the topic comes up about uh, presenting your best side. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a great example because uh, each episode is about 72 hours of real life. So they've got everybody on camera for about 72 hours. Now, there's a couple hours a day you're not, and we can go into that if you want, but there's a couple mm. hours a day that you're not on camera. But the other time is 72 hours of real life goes into 40 minutes of live TV, of TV because they 20 minutes of commercials. So if you think about the last 72 hours of your real life, have you done something stupid? Have yeah. you said something idiotic right. that you wish you could take back? Right. Have you said something really genius? Mm. Uh, something funny? So you know, And so they have all of that footage, and they absolutely whack it up And sometimes it's not like us talking right now. Sometimes it's us talking a day ago, and they fit this, my reaction into this conversation right now. And so that absolutely happens. You do everything you do. You say everything you say. Obviously, it's on camera, and it's there. But the situations sometimes are manipulated Uh, well
1: and they and there's different so different shows we had dane smith uh from ink master he was on season nine of ink master on here and he was explaining how like they they literally in that show at least the producers will sit down and start asking you questions and then be like okay that's good let's kind of help formulate almost like
2: not lightly scripted but like this is the direction we're going say that again is that
1: how survivor is or
2: is that's how they do it in the testimonials that's, okay. how they, that's how they move the plot in testimonials. That's how they do it. They're one producer. That's the only time that they tell you what to say. Now, they're not saying what to say, but they'll say, Hey, um, thought you and Remington had a really good plan. Uh, but you know, we've heard some rumblings that Remington's talking about stabbing you in the back. What do you think about that?
1: They actually say that?
2: Oh yeah! Wow! And so, so they'll, they'll be behind like... camera to get you to say back. Right. They're not telling you what to say, but they absolutely lead people. So but do they like? Do they give you like secrets about what's going on like that, or do, mm-hmm. do they know you know? That's how they steer. No, because they're you're starving and paranoid wow. all the but time. Are they trying
0: to steer who they want to stay? I mean, it's like hey, we know we these people well, are getting these the ratings. Guys are getting
2: really good yeah. ratings? Probably that, but also. If everything goes according to plan, it's boring TV, right? Sure. right. So we would make plans, and then they try their best to get people in testimonials to go God. against the plan. And you're like, oh, you're we're, crazy. we're good. Yeah. We got a good unit. We got four people strong. We got the numbers. Blah, done. And then all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? Before travel <laughs> council. Uh, we're going to have another testimonial session. And it's like, shh, they're trying, to break, they're trying to break us. And so then you watch people come back from the testimonials. You learn that. You know you watch them. And if they wouldn't talk to you before and they come back and they're your best buddy, it's like, well, all right, they got them. <laughs> and if, they, if you're your best buddy and they come back and they won't look you in the eye, it's like, well, they got them. Yeah. Got to do some work, you know. And so, yeah, that, I, and it's not unfair. That's real. That's, right. th- that's It's fair for them to try to do that because it does make better TV. But that's absolutely what happens. But would you go
1: back and, like, if you went back right now, do you feel like you've got a pretty good, um, man, I know how to do this now? Or is it, like, because of the producers being able to manipulate that so much like you could go back 10 times and still not win even with all the knowledge
2: that you have 100 percent. i mean you've seen it you see the people that go back like i talked about rupert already he won four times yeah or he went on four times yeah he went on four times and he didn't win once yeah yeah. you know and so yeah you could go back an, an immeasurable number of times because you make great tv because they love your personality the fans love you uh, but still, they'll they'll be like, you know what, we got him good enough, but he didn't deserve to win because yeah. this player gets more ratings, or this player has outplayed him and got you know got lucky, yeah, uh, uh, and won a con- on contest like on our season. Michelle, people thought she didn't deserve to win, but she won when she needed to, and she made the right decisions down the stretch, and took people that nobody wanted to vote for. Do you,
1: do you watch uh, the show now that
2: you've been on? Do you watch it? Um, I watched this season because Michelle was on. Uh, it was the all-winter season, season 40. Yeah. Uh, I watched a couple after hours, and it just got so tiring seeing the, well, we're going to take this and make it into a social justice lesson. Oh, and yeah. I don't I, – kind of like I don't watch sports to be taught how to live my life or to hear about social issues. I watch them to escape Hmm. those issues and that's just how I view it. Nothing wrong with people that care, that don't care that there's both mixed but I'm one of those people that likes to watch sports or movies or TV to escape from reality. I like to be entertained and so I view it as I'm not going to watch a show that's going to try to... It's reality TV. I mean, really? Really? You're going to try to tell me oh, well, this person from this background really needs to be paid attention to because in the real world they're being marginalized. Like yeah no I don't care I'm not watching Survivor to get that lesson mm. so that's that's where well, so, uh, I have a disconnect with as the an NBA
1: player mm-hmm. uh, watching this year I, I don't know the I don't know the exact stats I, I read something that the NBA was down 60% on ratings um which is interesting to me because after the bubble, they were one of the first American sports to come back, or, or sorry, after COVID hit, uh-huh. the bubble was the first American sport to come back, so you would think that they'd have a, an edge on like people just sitting around wanting to watch sports, and still the ratings were down low. And Mark Cuban came out saying that they just completely mishandled social issues. Uh, as an ex-NBA player, like, how do you feel like the NBA handled the bubble?
2: Well, as far as the ratings go, I do have to say that when every sport is playing, Uh, You know, the the NBA's never competed with NHL, WNBA, football, all at the same time, and baseball, you know, all at the same time. So I would say that that's got to be a factor for all of the sports ratings that there's just markets that are just like, I don't care about that, you know. So maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it's the social justice issues. Uh, I'm not saying they bungled them, but uh, as I said – I don't think the two mix because I think it's an escape for people. People are going to watch the gladiator games to see people kill each other in ancient Rome. They're not going to hear the Julius Gaius Caesar give him a speech about what, what's going to happen in the, in the republics mm-hmm. and, uh, next week. So, hmm. you know, uh, I've, I've always been a proponent for the same reason of removing the star-spangled banner from the beginning of every sporting event because, to me, those two do don't mix. They don't mix. And, and i've always felt that way and here's why it has nothing to do with politics has nothing to do with my love of this country because i do love this country what it has to do with is as a player you're getting all warmed up you are warming up for a couple hours sometimes in my older end of my career and then all of a sudden you got to take five minutes off and stand still for an anthem Right before you're supposed to go run around and push people for a living and be the best in the world at it, so I hated that five minutes. And in Canada, it was a lot longer because you had to listen to both anthems. Mm. And so <laughs> that, it, it's it's like well, I'm I'm already, and now I got to stand still, stand still. And they really do mandate it; you can't be jumping around because so guys would be.
1: What's interesting about that stance, and and I don't know that um, I don't know that I'm going to lean on this, as much as just ask a question, it is interesting to me that we compare. Um, athletes and athletic uh, athletics to like modern day work like we don't get to work and the first thing we do is stand up for the national anthem and then go in and start doing our work and people would say well that's just crazy but if that was i think the problem is that that's it's just been the way it is so long that if that was the way people would go crazy and since it's been that way so long any big national event you know uh, i think you'd get a lot of push I'm, i'm sure you have gotten a lot of pushback from that
2: well and and the thing is is i love the indy 500 the pomp and circumstances involved with that the military flyovers that some people think is wasteful the flag waving the veterans parade around and the anthem the the state song i love all that same thing at the kentucky derby i love all that uh but again we're not stopping humans from being warm it's race car drivers the car is going to be there it's fine you know and if the race car drivers are bothered by it then i'd say you know what if the race car drivers say we've got to get rid of it, but it's part of it. It's part of what makes it such a spectacle mm. in those two situations. But as far as sports, yeah, I mean, you walk into school, and I don't even think they do the Pledge of Allegiance anymore in schools before they get to it. And, and so mm. why are we doing it at sporting events as pros? Mm. When, when you get everybody all ready to go, loosed up, and then all of a sudden stop and stand still for five minutes. Not exactly conducive to being ready to play a sport. Yeah.
1: Uh, something you said earlier made me think about the um, uh, the bill that they just signed in California, where college kids can start making money as amateurs. Uh, did you see that? I did. I did. Uh, so, um, I honestly don't know why I was thinking about that, but like, what are your thoughts? So, you played at Kansas, mm-hmm. um, and uh, what years did you play at Kansas?
2: Ninety-three to ninety-seven. Graduated in ninety-seven.
1: So it was definitely. Um, there's definitely memorabilia, product, um, video games with your number, probably. Oh yeah. Uh, your your size and height, but not your name. Correct. Or maybe, or and maybe my your jersey name, number. But your jersey. No name.
2: They didn't. They couldn't do names back then. I don't yeah. know if they can now. But oh yeah, I walked down the streets in Lawrence, Kansas, and the my jersey number 31 selling it like hotcakes, and I got none of that. And the video so games. before system. he
1: answers, what do you think about this bill in Title IX and I what it means? I think any
2: other
0: kid in any other major. And if somebody is great at building apps, they would never be told you can't do you that. Can't get until paid you graduate. You can't get paid off of it. You, I mean, it's it's.
1: That's what made me think of this in the first uh, place. It, ki- like, it
0: kills me. It really, really yeah. does. Uh, the fact that you, okay, you have to go this many years before you can draft. Now I think high schoolers are back in to be able to, or maybe you got to be a freshman first. One year. I think. One year. One year out. They um, changed that, and then for football, I think it's three years. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's it's kind of. I mean it's the opposite of capitalism. It's, they should be able to go out and do that, in my opinion. Um, Hmm. So yeah, I I would, I'm, Absolutely. Why should it be different than any other profession somebody is going after?
1: So, what is the argument? I mean, what is the argument for that? Like, why? Why are schools? Is is it? Are schools really thinking that it's going to hurt the purity of the sport, or are they literally just wanting to keep the money for themselves? Is that what's going on?
2: Well, I think it's both of those things. I think it's the NCAA wanting to keep the money for themselves, the institutions keeping the money for themselves, and it's a whole lot of this old, uh, what I consider slave mentality, slave owner mentality, where they're like, "Well, you're getting a free education." And I can't tell you how many fans have stuffed that down my throat on social media. And I'm like, "Uh, I made the school money. Mm -hmm. When you go pay for your tuition, do you make the school money? Your your scholarship that you're not on, that you're paying for, Mm -hmm. is for you to get a paying job and pay off that scholarship. Mm -hmm. You're paying for something for value. And you're getting that value at, upon graduation.
1: And the school does not see any of the money of what they make afterwards.
2: Correct. Right. And I provided a value to the institution by mm-hmm. being on the court running around. Now, I didn't do this independent research, but I was told when we were in college in 1993, 1994, 95, 96, 97, we, when we were on national TV, the school, Kansas, made $9 million when we were on TV. One game. Oh, wow. every game, wow. Every game. Now, I was told that. I don't know if that's absolute fact. But the fact that we're like, but that's, that makes sense. <laughs> that it's that, me that means that I paid for my, my four years of degree uh, a whole bunch of times. Yeah. yeah every yeah, time first, I stepped on first the first quarter of
0: your first game. Correct. Yeah. yeah. You did graduate.
2: Yeah, graduated in four years, three credits shy of a master's in education. I was going to teach high school. I just had to do student teaching, and I would have had a master's in education. Wow. But I, you know, the NBA got in the way. So, the, my, so you, had, teach, you, you were going to teach high school. I was going to teach high school history, social so studies. coming in freshman year, you're system. like,
1: you, you didn't intend to go to the NBA.
2: Correct. Well, I just didn't know until my senior year that it was a real realistic possibility. It had always been my goal since I was four but years old. But you just old. took a
1: quantum leap or something? You but, just got it.
2: Well, it just, I mean, I was always playing with such great players. I was thinking I was getting lost in the mix, and I wasn't going to make it to the NBA. Probably end up overseas, <coughs> excuse me, or something. But... Um, all of a sudden, senior year, you know, the scouts are showing up and Roy told me, he goes, hey, let me tell you something. They're here for you. Wow. They're not here for Paul. They're not here for Jack. They're not here for Rafe. Those guys are here for you. And so that's when it became a realistic thing. And I started interviewing agents after my uh, senior year ended, My uh, our season ended, and But, yeah, back to the college athletes making money, absolutely, to your point. You, you know, if, if you can go sell T-shirts on the side that you're just screen printing yeah. uh, of, of your likeness, your art, your image, whatever it is, you're allowed to do that as a, as a traditional student. But, but if you're an athlete, you can't go make money off of your own signature, your own time, your own value. It's it is absolutely I think a slave owner mentality. Do you think there's
0: any truth to them being worried about it getting exploited? Do you think that's any part of it? Where
2: well, that's the thing is it's just, it's this old mentality of what you know it's going to mess with the purity of the game, and and the arguments against it are from the smaller institutions that think they don't have as big of an advantage to get a player of a big name because they're going to go where they're it's mm-hmm. Kansas, they're on TV every game, right. right? So I get that, but at the same time, there's always there's thousands and thousands of college players that go to a smaller school, D2, NAIA, D3, and they end up in the NBA. So I tell kids this all the time and mostly the parents have to hear this. You, It's not Division one or bust. You don't need mm-hmm. to go to a Division one school. There's late bloomers. I was a late bloomer, sort of. I mean, I really wasn't talked about until my junior year of high school. And I was kicking butt, I think, before then. But, you know, it was there's a lot of talent out there nationwide. There always is. And so I, I just, to the people that argue that players shouldn't be able to make money off their own likeness, well, you know what, there's always going to be kids going to the NAIA schools. There's always going to be uh, players going here or there. So I think that the ones that have the ability to make the money are always going to be there, and they should be allowed to. Hmm.
1: Well, let's transition into uh, the next step of NBA then. So, you're drafted, were you drafted by the Kings?
2: Mm-mm. Uh, 19th pick for Detroit Pistons. Pistons? Yep.
1: And then, uh, but you spent most of your time with the Kings?
2: Yes. Played one year with the Pistons, then uh, there was a lockout during my second year, and then that ended. I got traded to Atlanta and uh, smoked a cigarette there. Uh,
0: <laughs> and then
2: uh, they cut me And I signed with the Kings And Wait no that's a real thing You got cut for smoking a cigarette No 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 okay. I just, met, I I just was meant just... It, was, it was like a smoke break okay, I've I yeah, yeah, never I smoked cigarettes say, okay. so, <laughs> okay. But it was like a smoke break I was only there for like Two three weeks yeah. maybe, maybe more Because
1: I went to a Christian AI school And that's actually high, legit High better. standard in the hi... Hawks
0: organization It's, <laughs> it's for real yeah. In high school Atlanta yeah. yeah, Hawks will cut you If you smoke a cigarette
2: No it just They didn't really want me They just wanted rid of Christian Leitner's contract uh, oh, yeah. He had a longer, more vol- lucrative contract. You were contract. traded for Christian. Layton. I was traded for Christian. Do Le- you
1: have an "I hate Christian Layton" <laughs> t-shirt?
2: <laughs> no, I like him because I got out of Detroit because of him. <laughs> 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 I love. The only
1: person with an "I love Christian Layton" or t-shirt. Uh,
2: hated him in college, but I did want to go to Duke. Sort of. I mean, it was just too far east for me. I, Kansas funny. was too far east for me, but I got recruited by. You would have been there
1: about the same time
2: then. Uh, I would have overlapped with him. I think uh, one year, yeah. maybe. I don't. I can't remember exactly. I was at how the
1: gym those, but. last week and I I saw a guy with a shirt that says "I still hate Christian."
2: Leighton. I still had the still in there. Yeah. Well, that's there's awesome.
0: the. Did Duke win? I mean, people love to hate anything Duke, anything Christian yeah. it's, yeah. it's the, the, that was just meant to be hated. Christian Lightner going to Duke. Oh, so for perfect, sure.
2: Yeah, but it just seems like they always have one guy that's hated. JJ Redick, yeah. one of my favorite people. I mean, yeah. people hated him. Who's the most yeah.
0: recent? Good shooting guard That is j- tripping people He yeah, just got in the league yeah. I can't Oh remember.
2: yeah uh, Grayson Allen oh. Grayson yeah. He's, wor- he's also hateable He <laughs> earned it Yeah he earned also, it. Yeah.
0: He it. Uh, So you played on the Pacers And the Pistons Were you on either team During Malice at the Palace Yeah I was on the Pacers Oh yeah. no way That's
2: a whole new podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's, a different, that's a different episode get a <laughs> All right. Part two but no, anyway, don't yeah. You so a haymaker, just answer that. I did, I did not. I okay. I abhor violence. I'm right. I'm an anti-violence person. I, I'm uh, I'm the guy that people are always trying to take sucker punches at. Uh, the, you go out and public. Why
1: and have you seen him stand up? Why would anyone want they, to throw? A people sucker get punch?
2: drunk and they get tough juice and they think, oh, I'm going to take out the biggest guy in the bar. And it happens around the world. And so I don't go out to bars very often. I'm certainly not out past midnight very often at all, if at ever. Uh, anymore because I've just learned that it's just no fun to be there. Yeah. And there's always somebody that just gets too drunk. Is like, oh, I'm going to take a shot at him. How tall are you? 6'11". 6'11". It's and I just not happening. 6/11 I can't, I can't it, imagine. I don't think you could reach that. Unless, <laughs> no. With yeah. a couple of chairs, maybe. Yeah. But you would
0: have to be uh, threatening my children or my wife for me yeah. to even... And at that point, I would still be thinking... All right, this is you're gonna die. Yeah. It might be worth it. Well, and that's that, that's
2: the look in the guy's eyes. the, the, the uh, you know this guy came running out of the stands, and you saw you saw it in his face. Like he got down to us, and he goes, and all of a sudden his eyes, he goes, you could see it in his.
1: This is not a. good They're idea. way bigger in person <laughs> than I thought.
2: And Jermaine was like, uh uh-uh, uh and he's wound up and if he connects the guy's dead well him
0: steven jackson and he slipped i I was standing right next next to jermaine
2: on this one so this was my story because i was standing right next to jermaine and he slipped on beer or whatever was on the floor and so he missed the guy but still hit him right here in the shoulder knocked him immediately on the ground and that guy sued him but if he hits him here it slides out that's why there's weight classes and so anyway back to the violence thing (laughs) i don't like violence because i know that if i were to absolutely lose my cool um in this room, for example, you guys are both going down. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very, very strong person. I'm not here to contest that. Either. I know. I'm, but yeah. I, I'm not bragging either. It's just, it's Part there's weight classes like, for a reason. I got to prove myself. No, I don't. I, do, I don't, and I, and I don't mean that in an, in an insulting way. And in anyway, because I'm, it's just fact. You're held I mean, to a higher
1: standard. There are people no that intended. are
2: huge and strong, like UFC fighters, that you wouldn't know. Like, maybe one of you guys is a UFC guy on the side. I wouldn't know that looking at you. Right. But you might be, and you might be trained, and you might be able to break my arm off without even thinking about it. Right. And so that's that's the thing is you just never know who you're running into and who's going to try to take a shot at you. So I just – i I've known from a young age uh, being pounded by my bigger brothers who are bigger than me. Oh, wow. uh, and not just older. They're actually bigger. Three of them are.
1: Anyone play in the league?
2: Uh, no. But they all play Division One And uh, – but it's, it's not a good feeling when a giant is just absolutely controlling you and, and sitting on you or, or holding you and <laughs> pounding on you. It's just no fun. So yeah. I, I, from a young age, I just knew that I never wanted to make anybody else feel like that. Hmm. So never been a fighter. Well, a uh,
1: you and I were sitting at a, a real estate banquet, and we were talking about the two times you were traded and um, I thought to uh, to your expense I thought it was, it, it's the way you tell it is comical <laughs> so uh, there was two the first one was for later yeah uh, but the second one was a completely different scenario can you kind of describe to us what happened
2: yeah well I'm halfway through a six year deal with the king so I'm thinking I'm going to be a king for the rest of my life and that's uh, how they made me feel uh, but unbeknownst to me, well, I, kn- I knew about it, but uh, the previous season I had I had fractured my sacrum, which is the bone in between your pelvis, and it it was never happened in the NBA before, never a male professional athlete had it happened to before. The only one oh. they could find was a female marathon runner, uh, which I am not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I took four months off, came back, first game back. I'm playing against one of my college teammates. He plays for the Utah Jazz at the time, Greg Ostertag, and I get my finger, this finger, caught in his jersey, first game back, Snaps this bone in my oh hand. My Didn't realize it. Just thought i popped my finger. Actually stole the ball from him. Run down. Mike Bibby throws me an alley-oop, and I dunk it. And I come back down. I'm going... That didn't feel good. And they call a timeout because Jerry Sloan's going to yell at Greg Ostertag because he loved doing that. Yeah. And so <laughs> I go over to the trainer and I go, hey, I think I popped my knuckle or something. And he goes, do this, make a fist. And I grab like this, and this bone went, he oh. goes, you're done. I'm like, you didn't see that. I just got back, the first game back. Yeah, And so anyway, uh, I came out to Indiana that spring after this healed. And I gave them the business. Uh, I think I had 15 and 17, something like that. Uh, It was Brad Miller, it was Jermaine, it was Jeff Foster, Austin Crozier, uh, and I had a game out here in Indiana. That summer, I'm thinking, awesome, I'm back. I had a good playoff run. We got to the Western uh, playoffs again. With the Kings, I'm back in Kansas as I always did. We're playing cards as we always did. I had a group of friends. We like to just play dealer's choice poker, not big stakes, just fun, hanging out. And they're like, "Hey, man, flip it on the 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 TV with the the sports centers." And I go, "All right, let's give it a shot." And all of a sudden, I see across the ticker, "Yeah, the Indiana Pacers in a three-team deal with the San Antonio Spurs and the Kings. Uh, Scott Pollard's going to the (laughs) Pacers." I'm like, "What the? (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, (laughs) no." I didn't want to be a pacer. Right. I, I didn't, and even when I got here, I told Bird. You know, it was funny. This is actually a really funny story. The next day as well. This at my expense. Uh, I'm talking to one of my oldest friends. He's in Kansas, and he's just like, "So what are you gonna do?" I'm like, "I don't know." We're just on the phone. All of a sudden, it clicks over. It 317. I go, "Hey man, I, I got to check and see who this is. It's 317. It might be important." And so uh, I click over, and it's Bird. Yeah. And, and he goes, "Hey," and I go, "Uh, hey, uh, can I get off the other line, Larry?" And he goes, "Yeah." So I click over. I go, "Hey, Mike, I gotta go." It's Bird on the other line. And he goes, "Look, man, if you don't want to talk to anymore, just <laughs> just say you don't <laughs> want to talk to you anymore. Don't lie to me and say Larry Bird's on the other <laughs> line." And I was like, "All right, yeah, I don't want to talk to you anymore." <laughs> <laughs> but it was Bird. And, oh, but man. yeah, so uh, I got traded here against can my own. Can you imagine
1: sitting there playing poker? Yeah, we we've been we've been in scenarios, where and all of a sudden you get up and you watch the television. No one calls you. You just yeah. all of a sudden. I'm now moving to a never, different. state. never. Or I've
0: even thought about like after a bad day at the office, having to walk into a press conference, and answer yeah. questions about right. it, yeah. and be cool about it, and have the ready. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I'd survive very long in that.
2: I I did take two days to do a press conference here because of that. Because I was just, I was fuming. You were in a bad fit. I was yeah. not happy. I had just built a house in Sacramento. I lived in uh, it for nine months. Yeah. Brand new house. Lived in the same neighborhood as Mike Bibby and two of the owners. Uh, I mean, it was right by the arena. It was awesome. I loved it. Brand You'd new house. I designed tight. it, and and I was planning on being there for the rest of my career. I wanted to be a king.
0: Well, you guys were on a run then too. I mean, you guys had a great, great yeah. couple of runs.
2: Yeah, we had been in the Western Conference Finals in two thousand two, two thousand three was the year I got traded. But we'd got to the, we didn't get to the finals that year, the Western Conference Finals. But we got in the playoffs, and I think Dallas knocked us out that mm-hmm. year. But but uh, yeah, just it, it was a blow. And so I, they flew me out the next day. But I, I waited another. I don't know, as long as I could before I could calm down and say, all right, tell me what to say. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me what's Survivor good about this place. Producer, Let me try to put a bu- big spin on this because <laughs> this is a shock and I'm still in shock and my yeah. family's not real happy. And I yeah. got to move all everything out of that house. And basically they had to do it because I'm here uh, trying to find a house yeah. here. You know, I'm house shopping here alone, and I'm doing press conference alone, and my family's cleaning up the mess yeah. uh, in, in the background. So I, I understand why kid, uh, the younger players now, and they're wisely. They're, a lot of them are staying single and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not having kids, and it makes a lot of sense. And they rent. They're not buying a big house out in the suburbs. They're renting down. Uh, where it makes sense to rent, and and because you are, you're just a commodity, you're a pork belly to be bought and sold at the whim of a billionaire, mm. trading spaces. But
1: you did win the hearts of the Indiana Hoosiers, uh, and now uh, you're based here. Um, what? So, so you did a couple things, and we're running out of time. I'm looking at the timer up there. I think we got a few minutes here. Um, you transitioned out of basketball and you still speak a lot. Like I've seen you on like after shows for Pacers and stuff like that. Like you're a, you're a personality people want you to be on. So you still have, um, all that going for you, but you transitioned out of basketball. And then how eventually did you find real estate?
2: Well, it was uh, a lot of years actually. And I wish I had done it earlier, but, um, buying and selling houses. I'm in my sixth place in Indiana since 2003, uh, so uh, I've bought and sold a lot of places. I've bought and sold in, in seven different states. I've bought commercial properties and sold them. Uh, and. Finally, my my brain goes, hey, you know what? I might be able to avoid some commissions if I get my license. (laughs) Uh, And now that I got my license, I haven't done any transactions, but uh, personal ones, but I've done a lot for other people, and and I've really found out I love it. I I really enjoy it, and I wish I had done it earlier uh, because I enjoy working with people. It's different all the time. It's not 9 to 5 in an office every day. Every transaction is different because you're working with different people every time. Mm. Uh, We have a great network of vendors. Uh, Joe Kempler is my partner, and I walked into his office, uh, and he was new with Sotheby's himself uh, at the time and and uh, it really at that point didn't matter who he was working for I just felt like he was somebody I could learn how to be an agent you know you go to class uh, they teach you some of the rules but then you have to learn how to be an agent right and uh, Joe has really been instrumental in that process for me uh, being able to use the things that I already know from life experience and my own personal transactions but also uh, you know, applying those things that I've learned in my personal life to helping my clients uh, you know, ease their tension or, or explain to them how this is normal, <laughs> yeah. which is a big deal. And so um, that part has been great. And, and actually, Joe and I just broke off from Sotheby's uh, a few months ago and formed West Clay Realty. So yeah, we're our own right. little yeah, thing. Yeah, awesome. And uh, it's, it's been fun. We're actually going to do a podcast of our own. Nice. Uh, to just kind of talk connect of real with estate. clients. Yeah, talk real estate, connect with clients, interview some of our vendors that we use regularly and educate people and, and try to get people's anxiety level down because, as you guys well know, this is the biggest investment that most people will ever make in their whole life, mm-hmm. and there is a whole lot of questions. There is a whole lot of anxiety. There is a whole lot of hesitance to let some idiot like me <laughs> uh, handle this transaction for you yeah. you know and so you, people get angry and I've been the guy that's yelled at, at agents before uh, and now I've been yelled at a few times and, and uh, I never lose my cool and that's what uh, one of the the last ones uh, that I did this summer it was a bigger one and uh, you know they, one of them kind of lost their temper and kept doing it and you know throughout the process and we finally got closed and they finally calmed down afterwards and, and, uh, and it, I got a note and it was just you know what Thank you for keeping your cool, and I don't know how you did. I don't know why you just maintained that level of professionalism. And in my head, I'm just sitting there going, well, I've done a lot of really horrible things in my life as far as, you know, training for the NBA, horrible hard things, you know, being on Survivor. I've dealt with personalities from around the world. And those were really high-pressure situations. This is fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoy this. So it's really easy for me to keep my cool uh, when I'm dealing with clients and, and things aren't going well uh, for me or for them or for whatever. And and uh, so I hope that I bring that patience and uh, to, to my clients and that that easing of tension because it is a big deal for, sure. for people when they're buying or selling a house, and, and uh, I never lose sight of that.
1: I've got one final question because we're out of time, but is there anything we didn't get to that – you wanted to make uh, sure we touched I just
0: wanna know how do you feel about Aubrey and getting double crossed? Is there some <laughs> is there some Survivor <laughs> alumni network that you're all Super cool, but like in the back of your head, you're like. You guys I can't have a group me going on. Me. A group yeah. me text while like a show's WhatsApp going on. Going on for we, all we, all
2: the, we actually have a Facebook page that you have to be nice. a former cast member of Survivor really? to be on it. Not everybody participates. Is it
1: Survivor that produced it, or is it? No, we did it. You did it yourself. Yeah, I like that. I didn't do it. I love it was done that. before me. But yeah. there
2: is a private That's Survivor so group, good. and and you're not allowed to copy and paste or share stuff. Uh, if you do, they'll they'll kick you out. But not everybody participates in it. But I do. But yeah, back to Aubrey. You know. It's kind of like the Godfather. Don't take it so personal. It's just <laughs> good for you. And, and, you know, I, she talked Ty into making the worst mistake of his Survivor career. Yeah. Because if he takes me and Jason to the final, guarantee he wins Survivor. Because nobody was going to give J- Jason any votes. Nobody liked him. Yeah. And because he played hard. And I was his lackey. And I made sure everybody thought that he was making all the decisions, even though it was me making all the decisions, because yep. he took all the blame. Hmm. And so... If we go to the final, I have a maybe a chance because I was Ty really fell apart towards the end. He got so stressed. His English got worse. And, and God love him, he's just a wonderful little human. But it's i mean, so if, fun to watch. If you <laughs> he, is, watch the season, he is. He's a great a blast dude. to watch. We're season with it, because we'll We were we'll throw season thirty two.
1: 32, yep. so we'll throw it up on the screen, yeah. season 32. Yeah, um,
2: but anyway, yeah, it, it's it's just business, it's how it goes, you get you're, you get backstabbed, and Ty was the one that actually did it, but but it was probably Aubrey that, that orchestrated that, but, I mean, all it did was make sure Ty got no votes in the finals, and Aubrey got two, and Michelle won in a landslide, yeah. and and it was Aubrey that shot herself in the foot uh, by, by having Ty get rid of us, she should have tried to take me and Jason to the finals, what she should have done, because, again, I don't think anybody's going to give a millionaire a million dollars.
1: You guys are. Uh, and that's what I told out.
2: Them. Hey, you. Man. guys are geeking yeah. out.
1: And, I, and I'm happy show. to hear
0: you said the Godfather line. I think the only time I get upset at those shows is when people vote emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like they, they got you out. You should be voting for them to win. They outplayed yeah. you, but yeah. so often people are just can't get over it, it looks like, during voting.
2: Well, and we got accused of that. Our, our jury was called a bitter jury for that reason, and they thought, oh, they're just voting emotionally. It's like, well, you weren't there. Again, the 72 hours yeah. uh, weeded down into 40 minutes, and when you see what we saw, Michelle won at the right time. She made the right decision. She yeah. could have voted out a jury member, and she originally was going to vote me out, and I was her biggest fan. I was her biggest proponent because – there was nothing I respected about Aubrey's game because she always had an advantage. She always had Joe's vote in her pocket. Joe never voted against her. I voted against Jason. Jason voted against me. We mm-hmm. weren't a package deal. Like, Aubrey had Joe's vote. She would tell Joe how to vote, and they couldn't change it because Joe couldn't remember who to vote for. So you had to tell him once during the day, <laughs> this is how we're voting, and then don't talk about it to him again. Because he would – He and he – so anyway, that's – Partly why I had no respect for Aubrey's game because she always had that advantage the entire game and she still didn't make great moves. She just had an extra vote every time she went to. Try. I really <laughs> hope
1: we inspire people because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I hope we inspire people to go back and watch this season. Just and, for time. Like if you go, watch Ty Highland. Yeah, I was like, Oh, Scott talked about this guy. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, we are at the end and, uh, they'll definitely need to be a part two because there's so many things <laughs> we didn't get to. Uh, you're a great, wonderful leader. I appreciate your time today. Uh, Check us back out Celebrity guest host Mr. Brett Wiggins uh successful people doing successful things in Indiana later.
0: Step into my circle with the opposite of earth when I pull up flying purple people
1: eat is could